Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers. Not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the Complete Manager Makeover. So at this point, we have reviewed a lot of the pre-employment processes already. One of the things that we want to talk about now is we've gone through the pre-employment process. We've made the selections. We've interviewed the candidates. We have someone who we are going to welcome into the organization. And so now we want to really discuss what are the next steps for that new employee? What are the best-in-class, best-in-practice processes that we can create, implement, and develop to ensure that one, we're always in compliance, and two, we have an employee who I like to say grows roots within the organization. There are two different types or pieces of the onboarding or the new employee next step. You've probably heard the word onboarding and then you've heard the word orientation. They're often used interchangeably, however, they're really not the same. Orientation really talks about and speaks to the process of getting the employee acclimated to the processes, the policies, the procedures, the handbook, all of those things that are process and procedure within the organization. And onboarding is really more that part that says, Welcome to the company. Here's where everything is. Here are who your coworkers are. Here, it's an acclimation, how we do business from an employee relations perspective, not just here, sign all this stuff. So orientation is the sign all this stuff, the must-haves. The onboarding really is a key portion to make sure that that employee grows roots. I like to say grows roots because what happens when you grow roots? You stay firmly planted. Okay. The first part of that process with a new employee, the first portion of that is our new hire forms, the new hire paperwork. That is part of that orientation process that has become part of onboarding because it's a must have. Now, some of the important critical pieces of new hire documentation are going to be from a compliance perspective. And I'm going to pull up a document that we use with clients that really goes through just some of the processes that we need to make sure that we are taking care of. And that's the new hire orientation checklist. If you do not have something like this, I highly recommend that you do. The access that you have to the HR 360 portal, if you are a business owner member, has access to this. And if you are an executive membership as well. You have access to the HR 360. There is an orientation checklist in there that includes a lot of the must-have things, but each organization is unique. 
you're each going to have a different set of rules. Maybe your payroll processes are different, your timekeeping processes. So you can customize that, but it creates a process for you to ensure that you don't skip anything that's of critical importance. It's typically one or two pages. It's your checklist that says, I've done everything possible to acclimate the employee to our policies, our procedures, and just to help them grow roots. So let's take a look at some of the things that that includes. It's obviously the must-have office administrative items, such as entering them into the payroll system or making sure that we send it to our CPA if we have an accountant handling that. It's entering it into the time clock system if those things are different or even talk to one another. This helps you stay on target with all of those things that you may need to do. So you want to include things that are office administration like name tags, t-shirts, uniforms, all of the things that they need to do to do their job. If they're an office person, then you want to make sure that they have email access. The reason this is important is because we don't want to be scrambling when that employee arrives. We want everything to go easy. We want them to get up and running quickly if they need PC access. We want the access codes to all the technologies that you guys are using for the proprietary purposes that you use them for. This way, day one, that employee feels you were ready for them. Have you ever had an experience when you started a new job and it was like, did they know I was coming? (laughs) Right? We certainly want to avoid that for our employees. So... You want to make sure if there's parking decals because they have to park at certain spaces that you're issuing that. You want to make sure that they have the company address and phone number in case of emergency. Their loved ones know where they are and who to call in case of emergency. We want to make sure that they know where do they come in and come out. Especially now with COVID, you've got to be very cautious of you know how many people are in the building, what shifts are coming in and when, what is that for you as you go through that. You'll introduce them to where to park, where are the restrooms, if you offer a locker, where is that? I can't tell you how many times I've had employees tell me that they weren't even told where the restrooms were, right? They had to go and ask, uh, where's the restroom could be a little embarrassing on a first day to ask, where's the potty, <laughs> right? So we want to make sure we cover all those things so that there's no uncomfortable moments, especially on that first day of employment. We want to make sure that if we have smoking areas or meal areas that they know where they are, we want to open the cabinets to the kitchen and say, here's where the sugar is and the salt and the pepper, and this is a portion of the refrigerator, and we ask that you clear out anything by end of week or whatever your process are. This way, you're not stepping on any hiccups. Now, keep in mind, this document, you check, you check, you check, you check. The employee can check and check and then sign at the bottom that says, we've covered these things. So that if coaching and counseling or corrective action has to happen later, we have something as a starting point. Because guess what? They're not going to read their handbook. (laughs) Okay. Sorry to tell you. They're not going to read it unless they absolutely have to. This way, we can still hold our employees accountable because we know we verbally discuss those things through this orientation new hire checklist. And the important thing is this is a document that can be used for those purposes. We talked about it on this day. You signed it. It was completed on this day. Now, this may not be 
done in the entire first day because maybe there's some training that has to be scheduled in a few days. So we'll get to that in a minute. You want to make sure to cover anything like registration for any time keeping pay schedules, things of that nature. What is the attendance policy? Day one, an employee should know you need to call in within two or four or six hours or 24 hours, whatever that case may be. It's done verbally here so that you can hold them accountable. And of course, make sure it matches your employee handbook so that in the event they do look at that, it is actually the accurate policy that you have reflected. What are the pay policies? When's my first payday? That's an important thing. Oftentimes, sometimes with the pre-employment process, we happen to maybe make mention of that, but typically it's done at this first day of orientation. You want to give them any access information to those payroll systems. Many payroll systems allow you to copies of pay stubs, make changes to W-2 information. How do you log in? What's the access information? They need to go ahead and be given that day one. Why? That helps grow roots, a sense of comfort. Now, after a full day of information, yeah, it can be a data dump. But at the same time, you want to make sure that the most critical information, when's my first paycheck in this day and age, and always, that's an important thing. So want to include that. What is the work schedule? If it's consistent and it's Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you're not going to post a schedule anywhere. But this is where we get an opportunity to talk about if they're going to call out, if they're going to request some time off, if they get sick. Any of those things are important to discuss at this point. What is your overtime policy and procedure? Now, keep in mind that if you have a procedure where your employees must get approval to to work overtime, keep in mind that even if they don't get approval and they happen to work overtime, it needs to still be paid. That time needs to be paid. You can coach counsel and complete a corrective action form, but it must be paid. You can coach them and say, you did so out of policy, but you must pay that time worked. And then any benefits that you have. When will they receive their enrollment packet? Is there a 401k, a medical, dental, vision, a perks program, which both of you as business owner members have access through through the Tickets at Work program? Those things you want to give them because that gives them a real good view. One of the things that I used to do in administering human resources and utilizing this checklist is put a folder together for that employee. They would literally walk away with a binder or a folder with everything inside that they needed that addressed any of these things. The handbook would be in there, the policies that were important to sign off on, the new hire packet that they were going to sign off on the different important policies. And if you think that your environment requires certain policies to be kind of taken out of the handbook and printed for a separate signature on day one, that's important too, especially when it may have to do with safety, security, how the attendance policy, that's one I would definitely pull out, make a copy on a regular eight and a half by 11 and have them signed separately as well to support the rest of your documentation. When will they receive benefits? Things of that nature. With Affordable Care Act, as you may know, the enrollment for that window closed. Can't do this long, drawn out 90 days anymore, so you might as well go ahead and just provide them that information right up front. 
employee relations, what are your policies there? Is there an open door? Who do they talk to for concerns? Violence in the workplace. Again, another one I would pull out of that policy manual and put in their new hire paperwork, in addition to the sexual harassment policy as well. Those we don't want to wait for them to look at. We want to make sure that day one, they're getting those critically important policies. What is the personal appearance standard or the uniform issuance? Do they have to pay for any portion of their uniform? And how is that taken out across their paychecks and things of that nature? All of this is happening on day one. And so you really want to focus on what are the things that I do and say and need to cover? What is the company culture? Is there a recognition program? Maybe there's a bonus plan or a commission structure for that particular position. So there can be some customization because of the fact that not all positions may have a commission. Not all positions carry CPR certification. So there is that piece of the, you have your standard new hire and orientation package, and then you customize it with whatever that particular position requires. With safety and security, what is accident reporting procedure? And that should be immediately. I always recommend that your policy manual and your communications to your employees say you must report an accident in the shift in which it happened. Now, that won't necessarily get you off the hook of paying workers' compensation, but it will certainly allow us an opportunity to begin what we need to do immediately, such as getting the first injury report, finding out what happened, reducing the risk of it occurring again, and of course, getting that employee medical attention in a timely manner. What's lost and found procedures for those organizations who have employees walking around a large facility, uh, going into other locations, what is the policy in terms of interacting with your clients, your guests, with each other? If you have off-duty employees, are they allowed to come to the office to see the employee for any reason or just in case of emergency? And again, that goes back to that first item emergency contact information. How are we able to get a hold of them? And then of course, your visitor and emergency phone number and calls procedures. Interestingly enough, OSHA, the Occupational Safety Health Administration does require employers, even with one employee, to have an emergency contact on file. Keeping in mind that with OSHA, our responsibility as an employer is to ensure that the employee is safe from harm of illness or injury. And in the event they are involved in an illness or injury, that we have an emergency contact for that person. So make sure that that's in your payroll system, that you don't have to go digging through an employee file for that information, because in case of emergency, you want to be able to access that quickly. And then, of course, what are the safe work practices? Do you require back supports, goggles, gloves, any kind of PPE, personal protective equipment, and where do they obtain that information? And then, of course, we want to make sure that we provide them with their job description. They keep a copy, they sign a copy. Keep in mind, a lot of time we ask the employee to sign, 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 
but they don't get a copy, so how do they remember? Obviously, if we're giving an attendance policy or a pay policy or a call-out procedure, we give them the handbook and say, the policy that you just signed is in your handbook, but if you're giving them a job description to sign and you keep one, well, they should get one for their records as well. So keep that in mind because they'll go, well, I didn't get it. And in fact, they didn't. They signed it and we put it away, but they didn't really receive it. Now, the next thing is developing an orientation program. What does that program look like for you? Are there specific technologies that they need to be acclimated to? Are we including things in our learning management system? What specific job skills training do they need outside of that learning management system? Is there anything they need to know about the particular equipment that they're working? If it's in an office environment, are we taking time to show them how to use the good old faction Xerox copy or the fax machine? Or do we require codes for the different departments when you get into those things? Oftentimes we overlook those things, but it's exactly those kinds of trainings and processes that you have in place that help the employee once again grow roots. In addition to that, we want to also prepare for the arrival of the employee. I can't tell you how many times in my career I've showed up to a new job only to find the previous person's old pennies in my drawer. We want to make sure that we have a workspace that is welcoming for them, especially if it's an office worker. We know what happens sometimes even in big offices. You've got the raid. It happened. The old employee left and oh my gosh, I've been coveting that stapler since they bought it, <laughs> right? So they get ravaged at the desk and suddenly that employee coming in can't even find a decent pen that doesn't have gunk all over it or something. Make that work environment ready to go for that employee. Have phone working. Maybe even the phone manual. All phone systems are different. That might be part of your orientation program as well, an acclimation to the phone system. And rely on your service providers to provide that training. It shouldn't always be you. If you have a phone system set up by a provider who you're paying for the phone system, then guess what? Give them a call, let them know, I am onboarding a new employee and they'll need training on the new system. Use your service providers to outsource as much of that training as possible. How else can you prepare for the arrival of the employee? Make sure that, again, the rest of the employees are aware that the employee is coming. Maybe give them a little bit of a history. Maybe gather everyone today for a quick onboarding session, right? I use onboarding because connecting employees with other employees, even if it's one or two, helps them what? Grow roots. They know more than just themselves. Maybe schedule someone who can take that individual and have lunch together. Their break time can be the same time. Those things help the employee, again, acclimate and create some one-on-one -on -one connections and immediate rapport building. A little bit forced because it's been arranged, but nonetheless one that the employee values because I'm just not the new guy in the new organization where everybody's known each other for so long. So how else can we welcome the employee? Like I mentioned, I just got ahead of myself. Welcome and introduce the employee to the workplace. And that, once again, doesn't just mean to coworkers, but it's really to the environment. I literally used to take that new hire checklist with me on a clipboard or in a folder and walk around the property 
walk around the location, walk around the company, showing them where everything is, because the last thing you want to do is have them peek into a closet that they really didn't need to go having access to. So acclimate them to the entire organization and especially to new employees. I actually was part of an article recently. I'll make a note to send it out. What's your top one thing to do for a new employee? And there were really great ideas. Mine, of course, was make sure the desk was clean and they haven't been ravaged of all supplies. And then one was maybe it's something that has the company logo or image on it, a cup with tea if they like tea or coffee if they like coffee. One of the things I always used to do as well was to ask the employee, what's your favorite store? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite sports team? All of these kinds of things during the onboarding and intake so that when I did have to recognize them, or maybe it was a birthday, or I was going to welcome them into the organization, how great would that be if you could give them a cup of the choice of their favorite sports team? That really shows some foresight, some preparation, and some thoughtfulness in making sure they feel part of the organization. So then, of course, you know, during this whole process, you're distributing the employee handbook, you're explaining general policies and procedures. I highly recommend if you have a digital handbook, that's totally fine, always find a way to ask for a read receipt or ensure that any digital document management systems obtain a digital signature of some sort. This way, we know the employee, we have receipt of that handbook and therefore can hold the employee accountable to the policies and procedures contained therein. In addition to that, again, we talked about providing any required or additional training. Required training would include things like sexual harassment training. Violence in the workplace would be required in most locations. Maybe they require CPR and first aid training. Maybe AED in terms of knowing how to manage or knowing how to utilize that type of technology. Different systems, different locations all require everything. And again, use your service providers to provide that training whenever possible. And then make sure that you schedule a follow-up. Schedule a follow-up to see what went well, what could we have done differently, right? We want to get that feedback from the employee so that we can continue to fine-tune our onboarding and orientation processes. I think one of the things that I like to do is ensure, you know, where are the hiccups happening? This way we can mitigate the risk on the next one and continue to be a best-in-class because we're looking at continuous process improvement. And you can't get that unless you follow up. Mm -hmm. One of my suggestions as well is to have a 30, 60, and 90-day evaluation form. The form could be exactly the same, but maybe in the first 30 days, all we're looking for is attendance, punctuality, and friendliness in the workplace. We took a look at those three because we can't really verify or evaluate job performance when in the first 30 days, they're really not doing their job. They're really getting acclimated and trained. And then maybe in the next 60 days or the next 30 days up to 60, we add a few things. Are they getting along well with others? Is there a teamwork environment? Are they staying on task? 
Of course, we still want to make sure that we're rating the first three. They're still coming in on time. They're still punctual. Attendance is good and they're getting along. But you kind of add some things as they go along. And then by the end of 90 days, we're including all of those things as well as job performance, productivity, maybe organizational skills is important. And at the bottom of every evaluation, I like to put a a way so that we can conversate. What are the best things that lawyer has said? What are the best things that the employee has said? And what could be done better? And then the same at 60. What is going well? What could be done better? And it's not just the employer giving the information. We need to create a culture of feedback and collaboration. And in so doing, it creates the culture throughout. I know in the first 30, 60, and 90 days, you were asking for my feedback. You wanted to hear from me what went well, what could be done better. And that creates a pattern going forward so that employees know they can come to you with what we could be doing better. You want to be that first point of contact. And then, of course, you want to ensure that you do something with that feedback. (laughs) Don't ask the question if you're not going to fix or try to find a solution. We can't fix everything, but we certainly can ensure that these evaluations create effectiveness of our orientation and onboarding program. And those are some of the highlights. Now, this process of onboarding can take anywhere from 1 to 14 days to go through all of the steps that I just mentioned, getting them on the learning management system, making sure that they're taking these trainings. We don't want it all to happen in the first day because there's a lot of pieces. So what does that look like? I would challenge you as an employer to take a look at what onboarding looks like for the first 14 days of an employee's joining your organization. What do you go through during day one and two and three? When do you make sure they get the email to the learning management system so they can access it and take the critically important training that you want to ensure that they take that's mandatory in maybe their first 30 days? Those are the things you want to step into and then create an agenda for that employee and check back with them. Here's the login for this. Here's when you'll get that. And that creates a great way for you to ensure that employees have a great onboarding experience. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to The Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at The Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with the complete manager makeover.